Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Are you glad to be here so far? I'll see what I can do about that. <laughs> Turn, if you would, to the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, and we'll begin reading uh, in verse 10. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. So we continue on the Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon that ever preached by the greatest preacher that ever lived, the Lord Jesus himself. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. Matthew 5, 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Let's pray. Father, thank you today. Ooh, because you live, Lord, we can face anything comes our way. God, I pray today you'd give us a, just an intimate, close walk with you this morning. Let your Holy Spirit fill this place, manifest the precious name of Jesus in every crevice and every crack and every heart and every person that's here, that you would be lifted up and we would praise you and glorify you and declare you the King of kings and the King of our hearts. Lord, have your way in our lives. I pray you would cleanse me and, Lord, you would fill me. And, Father, we would just... Just be thrilled to see you move in a great, mighty way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There was a certain church that always served coffee after the service. And uh, one of the strangers, one of the visitors was there. And he asked a little boy, he said, son, why do they serve coffee when you're leaving? And the church was dismissing and they always had coffee. Little boy said, that's no problem. It's to get people wide awake before they drive home. <laughs> I've had some of those sermons there where I, Donnie, don't yawn yet, bless God. Uh, I've had some of those where I almost put myself to sleep. But when you come to the Beatitudes, there's not any chance of that. There's been an exciting time here in the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew uh, at the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus gives us eight Beatitudes that tells us how to be happy in an unhappy world. And we do realize that this is an unhappy world. We do realize that every beatitude that's mentioned here in Matthew 5 is totally contrary to what the Word of God, uh, to what this world wants. The world is a complete opposite from what God wants. So this morning we want to look at going the right way. Going the right way. Robert Earl Allen, one of the commentators, said this on the eighth beatitude. He said he gave them the keys to the kingdom, referring to the first seven beatitudes. And then what we opened up this morning, he said he gave them what to expect when they dared unlock the door. When you unlock the door and you're going to be poor in spirit and you're going to mourn over your sin and you're going to meek, be meek and you're going to hunger and thirst after righteousness and you're going to be merciful and you're going to be pure in heart and you're going to be a peacemaker. When you do all that and you unlock the door, what happens is what is mentioned here in 
chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be laughed at. You're going to be mocked uh, because it's totally contrary uh, uh, to, to what the world wants to do. So let's look at it here gr- briefly. Number one, there is a right way. You do know it's never wrong to do right. Mm. You always can do right. There's a right way. You see, what we've learned in the Beatitudes is happiness is not based on what happens around me or my circumstances. Happiness is based upon who lives inside of me. Happiness is based upon the fact that I have crowned him king of my life. And if I've crowned him king and we've got an intimate relationship with each other, nothing you can do can take that away from me. It's there. You show me somebody today who is completely satisfied. Every time you talk to somebody, well, if I was them, I'd change this. Or if I was them, I'd fix this. If I was them, I'd do something different from that. Well, when you begin to walk with the Lord and you get an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you begin to discover that it's not about what you want to change. It's not about what you want to alter. It's not about about what you want to fix or, or, or any of that. It's understanding that when I walk with him, there's a joy he gives me that nobody can take away. He gives that joy. The old song says, the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. I'll tell you, it's the Lord Jesus Christ that gave it to us. Now, it's important in going the right way that we understand in verse 10, he said, blessed are they. Verse 11, blessed are ye. It's very important that you understand who the they and the ye are. You see, uh, before we go claiming promises, we need to make sure they're for us. Hmm? I mean, uh, at my house, if, it, if, it, if, if I get mail from me, my wife opens it. Don't have any problem with that. And that's fine. That's good. I like that. I do. I really love it. Thank you, baby. I appreciate that. <laughs> but if she gets something, I better not open it. You see, there's some things written in the Word of God that you may not be qualified for. Oh, they may not have your name on them. He, he said, blessed are ye. You see, if you want to be blessed, you got to make sure you're the ye. Because if you're not the ye, this is not for you. The blessing's not for you. You got to make sure you're the ye. He's addressing his servants. The whole context here is the kingdom of God. You can't have a kingdom without a king. If the king's dead, shut the kingdom down and go home. Same principle in the church. If the church is dead, if we're not going to win people to Jesus, shut the whole thing down and go home. That's what God called us to do. Well, if you want to be happy, you've got to be part of the ye. Well, who can be part? Crown him. Crown him king. Crown him. That's how you can do it. You, see, you want to be happy as long as you pull in the strings. Hmm? But I'm telling you, when the money's not there, and you figure out nobody likes you, you're not the one calling the shots. You're not the one holding the clipboard. Who is the ye? The ye is the poor in spirit that he talked about. The ye is the, 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 those that mourn over sin. The, the ye is the meek. The ye is the ones who th- hunger and thirst after righteousness. 
The me and ye are the merciful. They're the pure in heart. They're the peacemakers. Those are the people persecuted for righteousness sake. And the question this morning is, isn't it about time you became one of the ye? Dude, we got folks that, that they're wanting to, to praise the Lord, but they don't want to get in on here on the poor in spirit. Lord, I'm going to skip that one. You can't do that. The word righteousness, for righteousness' sake, in verse 10, uh, that simply means that we see the right way. Jesus is speaking of the life that's to characterize a Christian. So the word righteousness simply means, means that one is right with God and that, that rightness is expressed through the character of his life. Jesus said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. A little later on, we're going to find in Matthew 6, 33, he's going to say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. As a Christian, we ought to be right and we ought to live right. It's not enough just to say we're going to live right. We need to actually live right. We need to do what we say we're going to do. The Bible says uh, we've got a positional righteousness. Romans 4, 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. We believe in Jesus. His faith is counted for righteousness. You see, when a person is saved, they're declared righteous right then. Right there. That's called positional righteousness. They're declared righteous. Now, a lost person is not right with God. You give all the money you want to give. You shout all you want to shout. You sing all the songs you want to sing. I'm just telling you, if you're not saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, you're not right with God. And he's not talking about you. The Bible makes it clear that one is not brought into a right relationship with God because of what they do. We don't serve the Lord in order to get into the favor of the Lord. We serve the Lord because we've already been saved by the Lord. And that's the fruit of that. Salvation is not something you earn or achieve. It's believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. A person's faith is counted for righteousness. So that's positional righteousness. You didn't do it. You can't earn it. Your righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. It has to be the righteousness of Jesus. And when we get saved, his righteousness becomes ours. But not only a positional righteousness... There's got to be a practical righteousness. In Matthew 10, Jesus is talking about practical righteousness. He's talking about the kind of life that a Christian ought to be living. Because one is a Christian, they ought to live like a Christian. We, we don't live a righteous life to be saved. We live a righteous life because we are saved. I read about a man uh, working in a shoe store. And he looked outside the window, and over against the next door was a bakery there. And there was a little boy there who didn't have any shoes or socks on. And he was standing over a heat register just trying to keep his feet warm and stay warm. And the man was thinking, what, 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 what should I do? What, what, what should I do? I don't, I'm not sure what, you know, what should I do. And suddenly a lady came by and took the little boy by the hand, brought him in the shoe store, bought him a pair of socks, bought him a pair of shoes. The young man said, uh, ma'am, are you God's wife? And she said, no, honey, I'm just one of his children. And she said, well, I knew you was kin to God somehow. <laughs> you see, to live for Christ 
is not to sit there, oh, hallelujah, bless God, and wonder what we might could do to help somebody. To live for Christ is to go ahead and do it. Just do it. Most of us in this room, I mean, you, you ask me how I feel. I feel, I'm going to tell you, I feel great. Things looking up, feeling great. I have to feel better to die this morning. I just tell you right now. I, I just, you know, it's just that way. But most of us in this room, if someone calls you on the phone and they say, look, I know you've been sick. I know you, this is it. Uh, what, what, what can we do to help? Most of you in this room are going to say, I, I don't need a thing. Everything's fine. Don't need a thing. We're all good. Amen? Amen. Yeah, we're all going to say that. Not all, but I mean, we know who will and who won't. That's why we call certain ones and certain ones we don't. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> but now let me ask you something. If you've been sick and you hadn't been able to get out, and suddenly you look up and Bob Gilly's out there mowing your yard, are you going to run out there and say, don't mow my yard, Bob? No, you're going to say, well, thank the Lord. You see, Christianity's not sitting around thinking of what we might ought to do. Bless God, it's getting off our blessed assurance and doing what we know we ought to be doing. That's how you prove you're a Christian. He's talking about practical righteousness here. 1 John 3.10, In this the children of God are manifest in the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Now, here's the problem. There's some people who profess to be God's children who don't live in such a way that is reflective of that. So, what do we do? Citizens arrest, citizens arrest. That's right out of Barney. It's those of you who didn't know Andy Griffin. No, no, let me tell you, we don't do a citizen's arrest. You see, that's over our pay grade. See, in this church this morning, there's some of you, bless God, that are wheat. And, and you're, man, you're serving the Lord. There's so, listen now, some of you are tares in here this morning. Mm. But you know the problem? I don't know who is and who's not. You say, well, what do we do? Let's get a group together and bring them before the church and throw them out of the church. No, that's not what Jesus said. You just... Let them grow on up, because if you try to tear the tares out, you're going to get some wheat involved with it too, and then if you're not careful, you'll end up getting wheat thrown away. No, that's God's call. We just keep being the Christian that God called us to be. We keep being the church that God wants us to be, and we keep going on for the glory of God. And there'll come a day, there'll come a day when he'll separate the wheat from the tares. Saved people ought to live like saved people. Ephesians 5, 8, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. 1 John 2, 6, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. If you say you're going to be a Christian, then bless God, walk like a Christian. Talk like a Christian. Act like a Christian. So there's a, a right way. There's positional uh, and there's also uh, practical, both ways. Now, let me give you the second thing. Even though the right way is good, it's a rough way. It's rough. Mm. The subject of this whole eighth beatitude is persecution. 
Blessed are ye which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he expands on it. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. It's hard for us in America to get our hands around this thing of persecution. It's never really been part of our Christian experience. You know, I mean, right now, right now, there are people right now, right now, listen to me right now, who are having their heads chopped off for the cause of Christ right now, who are being murdered for the cause of Christ right now. And we're going to come in here and whine because somebody got our seat. And right now, there are people giving their life up for the cause of Christ. It's rough. I've wanted to go one of these days, Lord willing, I'll get there, to Edinburgh, Scotland. I think probably one of the most moving places it has to be in the world. The Grass Market Square, the Martyr Cross stands there, marking the spot where many died for the cause of Christ. A few hundred feet from that is the Martyr's Cross Memorial, which 18,000 covenant uh, people died for their faith, and then many more buried there. there. And the last line on the memorial is interesting in a story by itself. It says, the most part of them lies here. The most part of them lies here. You know what that means? In Scotland there, when they were, behead, when they were killing people, they may uh, have hung them. They may have put a spear in them. They may have cut their throat. Uh, they may have put them together in a big arena, tied them together, and horses would pull them apart in two. All of that. Listen, that's all history, folks. That happened because people refused to renounce Jesus Christ. That all happened. But after they would do that, then they would take and behead them and put their head up on post throughout the city of, of, of Edinburgh. So the, the thing says, the most part of them lies here. All of them don't. And of course, spiritually, none of them do. Mm. Wow. The first Christian martyr, Stephen, untold thousands upon thousands of Christians have paid the ultimate price for being a Christian. I, I hadn't had a chance to really study it and all, but I want to tell you, you know when the Lord left here, he ascended into heaven, and he's sitting at the right throne of the Father. And he's interceding for us. That's what he's doing right now. He's seated there because he's worthy to be seated there. But when Stephen was killed, the Bible says Stephen looked up and saw Jesus standing. Stephen's martyrdom was important enough for Jesus to stand up on that throne and look at Stephen. <laughs> Uh, it's estimated that in the 2,000 years of Christianity, some 70 million people have given their life to Christ. 70 million. Now, here's something that's going to blow your mind more than that. Out of that 70 million, two-thirds of them died in the 20th century. And folks, I want to tell you, all around us today, Christians are being hunted down and killed. And it's not because they don't like the person. It's because they don't like Jesus. 
I mean, every time you turn around, somebody got another way. It's a sad commentary on our generation that thousands have died for the freedom to worship God, and yet there's Christians that will miss church if it comes five sprinkles before church. It's a sad generation that untold thousands have died for the freedom to hear the Word of God, and yet we never pick up a Bible during the week to even read the Word of God. I'll never forget the very first trip I went on to Kenya. As I was there, you, you couldn't carry Bibles, but I carried a few anyway. I just wanted to see what their reaction was. and Because uh, I've heard about that. You hear about all that stuff, but I, want, I wanted to see it firsthand. And I'll never forget the look on those people's faces as I said, I've got some Bibles here in Kenyan. And uh, I want to tell you, you thought they'd won the World Series. I mean, their eyes lit up. I got back home uh, and I think at that time, I don't know what it is now, but at that time, I had 37 Bibles in my bookshelves at the house. And here's people crying just to get a page of the Scripture. They would literally, they took those things and, and uh, would tear them apart and, and give them out to different people. You read this section, you read this section, and then we come back together and we trade out, and you read this, and you read this, and you read this. Wow. Well, let me just say, get back to our text. <laughs> There's an experience of opposition. When Jesus spoke of persecution here, he described suffering Christians. He used the word twice, verse 10 and verse 11. The word literally means pursued or being harassed. The idea is that of causing one to suffer. Now, that suffering can come in many forms. <clears throat> Excuse me. It can come on the <clears throat> martyrdom, people giving their life. Uh, it, it can come, uh, maybe some of us are not worried about breaking into our home and tying us up at the stake and burning us at the stake. But I want to tell you, folks, we're living in a day where in America where you can about do anything you want to do except be a Christian. When you mention the name of Jesus, people throw it in overdrive and back up. Don't want that. We don't want that. I'm so thankful for the state of Louisiana. Uh, they, they passed in their legislation this year that in God we trust had to be on every school in the state of Louisiana. Amen? I praise God for that. Praise God. Jesus also spoke of slandered Christians. He spoke of being reviled. That word revile in the Greek means literally to being looked down on or being insulted. And then he enlarged that. And he said, men are going to say all manner of evil against you falsely. People lying about you and telling what's not true. Yeah. Then the expectation of opposition. You see, don't, don't expect a hell-bound generation to throw their arms around you and love you because you've come out with a heaven-bound style of life. Don't expect that. Now, you ought to expect it here in the house of God, but don't expect that out there in the world. They're not going to do that. They're not going to slap their arms around you and say, whoa, you mean so much to me. They can't stand you. They're living in darkness. Don't think 
that you're going to walk into a complete darkness and you're going to walk in as someone who's been filled with the Holy Spirit and full of light and not be noticed. You're going to be noticed. If you live for God, you're going to face opposition. 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You say, well, preacher, I'm not suffering in persecution. Then you ain't living for God. That's what the scripture said. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. John 15, 10, Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. You say, well, I went to work and I started trying to do what was right and somebody laughed. (laughs) Some heavy persecution there. Heavy persecution. You want to know how to live in this world and the world not laugh at you? You go along with them and laugh at what they laugh at. I don't want to make people mad this morning because I'm an old man. So just understand that. I have not found rap very useful in my life. (laughs) I'll just shoot straight with you. I'm sure there's some Christian rap out there somewhere that's good. I guess. I can't understand it to know whether it's good or not. But what I hear coming from these rap groups is not good. But if you're here, young people, and you want to know how to keep the world from laughing at you, just sing that rap with them. Sing that rap with them. They're not going to laugh at you. This world is populated by darkness, and to be light in the midst of the darkness, we're going to stick out. Churchgoer, they're laughing at you. There are people that laugh at you because you got up and came to church this morning. So let them laugh. Modest dresser, those who dress modestly, ah, I ain't got time to stay there very long. But I tell you, I see people today don't have enough clothes on to bridle a mule. (laughs) And they're supposed to be Christians. Hey, if you're going to be a Christian, you say, well, what does a Christian look like? Well, we don't have time this morning to go through it. But I can take you through the scriptures and show you that the closer you get to God, the more clothes you put on. I'll do that one day if you got time. God called preacher. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to mock you. You think I don't know that people are laughing at me? Hey, so what? So what? I done read the end of the book. I know what happens. It's not up to me to get revenge now and get it. It's not up to me. That's not mine. You, you're here this morning and you're a single and you're a virgin. People are going to laugh at you. Oh, I can't believe that. Hey, I, I, I tell you what I saw the other day, and I corrected the lady because it was one of my grandkids. They said, yes, ma'am. And the lady said, you don't have to say yes, ma'am. I said, oh, yes, ma'am, he does. I mean, even when you try to teach your kids moral and good behavior, people are still going to laugh at you. They're going to mock you. We live in a world that's going the wrong way. And when you're going the right way and they're coming the wrong way, hello. If you don't know what's going to happen, see Brother Case afterward and he'll explain it to you. 
There's going to be a collision somewhere. Amen? There's going to be problems somewhere. The carnal mind cannot discern the spiritual. So there's a right way, but it's a rough way. Well, let me give you this. It's a rewarded way. You do the right way, even though it's rough, and you're going to be rewarded. Jesus said, rejoice, be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets which were before you. The right way may be a rough way, but it pays to go the right way because the right way is a rewarded way. Let me just leave two challenges with you this morning. I'm, I'm so excited about what God is doing in our midst and what God wants to do. And I, I tell you, I think, I think we're going to see something in the next year that we've never seen before in our life in this church. But there's a price that's going to have to be paid for it. Let me just encourage you, don't let opposition discourage you. Luke 6, Jesus said, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day. And here's an additional statement he made according, the same thing fits in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 12. He said this, And leap for joy. You know what he's saying? When they come at you and they're laughing, you just clear your little spot here and have a spell. That's what he's saying. You just leap. I wish I could leap this morning. <laughs> Ooh, somebody needs to leap for me this morning. You leap for joy. Rejoice. Don't let opposition discourage you. I, I've, in 47 years of preaching, I've never seen anybody come to an altar and say, Lord, you know what I need is persecution. God, would you send some persecution? Would you send me some? I've never heard anybody pray that. Never. Never. If you find yourself facing opposition, don't let it discourage you. Rejoice. Read the book of Psalms. Second thing, though, and I'm through. Don't let opposition defeat you. Jesus didn't bring us this far to fail us, not to leave us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He said in verse 12, one of your reasons for rejoicing is your reward in heaven. We don't even know exactly what that is. Living for the Lord may cost you while you're down here, but it's going to bring great rewards when you get to heaven. So don't let the opposition defeat you before you get there. Polycarp was one of the early church leaders. He was a convert of the apostle John. And uh, he was the bishop of Smyrna. And when persecution broke out against the Christians, he was hiding in a farmhouse. And a little boy told him where Polycarp was. They were all looking for him. A little boy told him where Polycarp was and uh, betrayed by him. And he was tortured. He was arrested. When they came to get him, he said, uh, welcome, guys. I mean, just like it was a homecoming. He knew what they were there for. They were there to arrest him and then torture him. And, and finally, the council ordered Polycarp to, uh, Poly, Polypop, Polycarp to renounce Jesus and claimed Caesar as king. 
And this is what he said, quoting, 80 and six years have I served Christ. He's never done me any harm. How then could I blaspheme my king who saved me? He said, you threaten the fire that burns for an hour and then it's quenched. But you know not of the fire of the judgment to come and the fire of eternal punishment. Bring whatever you will. Mm. Listen, you, you need to really make sure your worldview is a biblical worldview. There still is a heaven and there still is a hell. And we're not the final judge on this thing. I know how it's going to come out, but we're not the final judge. Polycarp was burned at the stake on February 23rd, 155. Can you imagine what that avenue in heaven must have been like as they lined up both sides of that avenue of heaven, welcoming him into the kingdom of God? The shouting and the trumpets blaring, and man, have mercy. The faithfulness of a preacher of the gospel. Hmm. And the scripture says the Lord standing as he approached. He got up again from the throne to stand. I think about this point, and I'm through. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when funds are low and the debts are high, you want to smile, but all you can do is sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is filled with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. Many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Success is failure turned inside out. The silver tint of the clouds of doubt and you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. Oh, in the world we live in today, it is so easy to be tired and just want to quit. But I'm telling you this morning, there are souls to rescue we're to send the light. We're to be the light. There are folk all around us who are living in darkness that need Jesus. And we're the only hope they've got. There may be you here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior. You'll never find happiness outside of Jesus. Not going to happen. It will not happen. It has to be through Jesus. People will tell you there's different ways. I, I want to tell you there's only one way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the lie. No man comes to the Father but by me. I didn't say that. He said that. And I want to just reassure you, I don't care how popular one way or another way gets. It's still, if it's not the way of the cross through Jesus Christ and his shed blood, you will not have eternal life with God. So I'm asking this morning, would you come to Jesus? But there's a bunch of us in this room. You just look at everyday life. Man, you look at what's going on around you, and you just want to 
You want to go home, lock yourself in the house and don't come out. Listen, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit serving the Lord. Don't quit singing those songs. Don't quit loving those people. Because I want to tell you, for every child of God, listen to me, every child of God, our best is yet to come. We've not seen it yet. It will be, but it's yet to come. Be faithful to the end. Don't quit. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful this morning that you equip us where we don't have to quit. You said greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. And so, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you this morning for those that need to be saved. Lord, would you save them today? God, don't let anything stand in the way of them coming. Don't let the devil have a spot in their heart. Lord, save them before it's eternally too late. And then, Lord, maybe there's some that need a church home. We ask you, Lord Jesus, if that's your will, would you bring them here to roll up their sleeves and go to work for the glory of God? And then, Lord, for those that just need a recommitment and a renewal, Lord, would you just put upon their heart to come to this altar and just share and have just a, a spell with you today, Lord Jesus, that they walk out of this place saying, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to slow down. I'm not going to back up. I'm going to do everything I can for the king who loved me so much that he left heaven and came and died on a cross. Didn't stay dead. He rose again, and he's alive forevermore. Lord Jesus, have your way in every heart in this place today. We're claiming victory. We're claiming victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Brother Aaron leads us this morning in music. Come on.